Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. What mean is that maybe he's the one that's been pulling the strings this whole time. You know, maybe this whole Moneyball, uh, well, obviously he is, the, he is Moneyball. He's the, he's the Moneyball guy. But maybe all the way that we've gone about formulating all of these, um, you know, stockpiling all of these picks and signing all these guys. In other words, we've, we've kind of, all of us, those are both pro sashy and, you know, anti sashy as it were. Maybe we're all looking at the wrong thing. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Sashi. Maybe Sashi wasn't, wasn't the guy that was actually doing all of this. Maybe it was actually Deep Podesta. I'm not suggesting that that's what happened. Uh, I am saying, though, that it's a possibility based on how things could potentially play out in looking at and, and, you know, that, that would seem to run counter to what we're seeing here because the guys that we're bringing in, none of this looks like a continuation of that, of that policy when you're bringing in guys uh, – uh, not not to be unkind, but of the caliber of the players that we're currently bringing in, and and you know I'm, I, maybe I'm being unfair, and, and you know again it, not all of them. I mean Chris Hubbard, I, I would say that of the guys that have been that have been added so far, uh, if you were to rank them, it, it, I would say that probably Landry is is you know the, the best that we brought in, probably followed by Tyrod, probably followed by Randall, then Hubbard, and then after that. Um, I don't know, maybe carry, and then it gets a little muddled because it kind of, kind of, you know, blends into. But these are these are also rotational guys. These are these are dudes that are going. <laughs> it's the dude avalanche. These are these are the guys that are going to come in and compete at various roster spots and gives you know a veteran presence to what had been a very 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 young uh, locker room. But there again, I mean, okay, that's fine. It's it's fine that okay, we're going to add some. Uh, you know, some some beef to the locker room, but then we we spent all that time developing those guys that we currently have on the roster, and I mean, and so that was just all for nothing. I mean, that, that's what's so frustrating about all of this. And you can take the well, those guys just suck, and they were never going to be any good. I I would have much rather see those guys get the reps, and 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 those guys is a loosely defined thing because we don't know how all of this is going to shake out. Other than we do know that Deshaun Kaiser is one of those guys, and we know that Danny Shelton is one of those guys, and possibly uh, Sean Coleman is one of those guys if if the plan is not to play Chris Hubbard or Coleman over at left tackle. Um, and, and so, I mean, we're going to see. We're going to see how all of that is going to play out um, with, you know, with respect to who's going to be replaced by whom and which of these players that are added are, you know, they're just like uh, <clears throat> the tackle Stevens. You know Stevenson is that is that somebody that is ultimately going to make the I mean, because we have guys we got Zach Banner and Rod Thompson two or, or Rod Thomas <clears throat> sorry Rod Johnson the uh, the uh, tackle from Florida State who was essentially redshirted last year uh, and there's no reason to move on from those guys there's no reason to at least from my standpoint there's no reason to because we we drafted them we we have them on the roster let's kind of see how they all work out. Um, but as as what looks like is happening here, we're, we're picking up guys that are going to compete with them at those positions, and 
you know, um, they're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to be good, you know, uh, right away, or they're gonna end up getting beat out by guys that don't look to be terribly impressive right now. But then again, you don't know how teams are gonna gel. Um, and I'm not gonna, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to 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 be objective here in terms of what I see happening. But I also don't want to come across as uh, being just overly negative towards John Dorsey um, or overly supportive of, of Dorsey and what he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly trying to look at this uh, from the standpoint of he's a guy that was brought in to do a job, and now he's going about doing it. He's going to make mistakes. There, that's, that's, that's baked into the cake. It's going to happen. He's going to make mistakes out there. But just because he um, – makes mistakes doesn't mean that he also can't go out there and make a whole bunch of really good decisions. And at this point, I mean, if he makes the, the, the one right decision, if he goes out there and gets a quarterback and he gets the right guy for us, then I, then the rest of this stuff is going to kind of all fall into place. You know, franchise caliber quarterbacks tend to be the, the giant equalizer out there. Uh, or actually, be more um, accurate, they're, what, they're the separator. They're what's different between the uh you know the teams that are at the top and the teams that are you know kind of always you know uh sucking wind and and pulling up the rear and unable to get over the hump and i'm not even talking about teams like us that have just been flat terrible on a historic level uh going back the last several years we're a special breed what i'm talking about are the teams out there that uh, like like buffalo a good example of that they haven't been able to get over the hump they've had tyrod taylor as their quarterback um and they have been able to kind of get to that next level by the way, the second hour is uh, up at the uh, SoundCloud. If you missed any part of this and want to go back and listen to it, we're try- I'm trying as I go along here to keep them um, uh, saved to the page so that way people can go in and listen to them at their leisure if you're unable to do that on the Facebook page. Because uh, <clears throat> this is the most important offseason of our lifetimes, 2018 free agents free agency day coverage with me your host easy weave we had darth batman on for a little while and uh he may come back later on but right now it's just you and me talking and mostly me talking and you listening but we're just kind of uh you know going over and digesting the moves that the browns have made and of course in addition to the move the browns have the moves that the browns have made today the uh announcement the sad announcement of the retirement of joe thomas and we've uh, we've talked about what it means from a roster standpoint. In the first hour, I talked about what what he means as a player for us, what he means you know, to the organization, what he means um, really uh, much more than a player, uh, what he means to the franchise. And I'm just I'm grateful for the time that he that he that was on our team. I'm grateful that we had him for all of the years that he was with us. I'm grateful for the effort that he gave. I wish we could have, you know, Darth was was saying, you know, when he was on that he, he felt guilty that uh like he personally felt guilty that that he wasn't that, that we had such a lousy team for that period of time as he alluded to Johnny Manziel in the uh, latest, you know, podcast with uh him and and Andrew Hawkins said to his face, "You know what? Uh I feel like I contributed to you not uh you know, realizing any success in your career." Uh, because I was, you know, I could have helped to turn that that around, and he took ownership of of that. Which I, I again, I, I'm I'm somebody that kind of likes, uh, I, I I root for people, to, especially people that are in challenging circumstances, whether they put themselves there or not. I don't root for people to, um, you know, to 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 languish in their uh, in their failure. I I I, I, li- I like for people to overcome, and it seems anyway, like uh like like Johnny Manziel is 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 uh, it seems like he's he's facing. 
the the toughness that that sort of a turnaround requires, and and, and, and I'm and I'm pulling for him. Time will tell, of course. Um, I'm, by the way, I apologize for these P's and T's, you know, coming through like this. The pop filter isn't exactly lining up like I would like it to, but we're doing the best we can here uh, as we. Uh, try to keep on top of the things that have happened throughout the course of the day, which to this point, the really the only thing of serious uh, news and excitement uh, around the league uh, over the last hour or so, as it's uh, just past, it's a little past, almost a quarter after five on the East Coast, is uh, not so much players that are, have uh, signed with teams or that we have signed. We did sign TJ Carey shortly after uh, the, the deadline the cornerback from Houston or uh, from uh, Oakland, but it's uh, teams letting players go mentioned in Domican Sioux released by the dolphins. And that is a, uh, a very, you know, that's a move that, you know, if, if you were to say, if you were to go back and look at who it is that was available for free agency, if you look at the list of guys and in Domican Sioux, is uh you know is on that list does that change what like what would your how would you feel about that if we signed Indomitian Sue to say uh you know something similar to what Nate Solder signed for like let's say it's like four years like 65 million would you do it would you be down with it and how much would you, I think that I probably would honestly I mean I, I think I, I probably because of the because of what he can bring to with the combination already of Garrett and Agba, you throw Sue in the mix there, and we're going to start killing quarterbacks. And I, you know what? As much as I really would love to do this long process of building it slowly and building up our assets and all of that, I also wouldn't mind killing quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's I you know that that, that that's a if honestly if Sashi were still here, I would have more restraint. I would be like, all right, now we got to do the but now that it's it's um you know the era of Dorsey, I'm like. And I realize I'm all over the place when it comes to this. It's like, you know, Meathead's doing it his way, and we should have done it Sashi's way. But, you know, Deepadessa's here, so maybe we're actually still doing it. I, I realize that there's no real cogent way to look at this with any sort of certitude, but I'm just being honest. I don't actually know. I don't actually know um, any more than anybody else does. And, and I, you know, a lot of things that people claim to know, I'm just saying. Anybody can, can, can claim to know things, and whether or not it turns out to be true, people talk. Uh, and that's not to say that, that all sources are equal or, or anything of the sort. I'm just saying when looking at this, uh, as it appears obviously to be, there's a way different philosophy that is running the show right now. And thus, if we're going to have the philosophy of going out and trying to add immediate impact players and it doesn't necessarily matter how much it costs to do that, then now here's another thing. When we were talking about it the other day, the, um, the uh, release of Danny Shelton, our guys, uh, again, our guy Sasanak, who seems like I mentioned him just about every show. Plus, it's just cool to say his name. Um, but our guy uh, Sasanak was saying, you know, this really only makes sense if you've got something lined up. If you've got something that is, uh, you know, as in a, a partner, like a deal worked out with somebody to come in and replace Shelton. But there was nobody available. I mean... How would you feel if you found out that there was kind of something back channel? I don't even know how legal this is, so I'm, I, I don't mean to uh, speak out of school, but maybe there was something being worked out where people were like, "Well, you know, if Sue does get released, eh, maybe there be somebody." I don't know. And again, I don't know if that's even allowed. If you can even pursue anything like that, and even at that, that would be pretty. 
that would be a pretty specious reason, I would think, in my mind, to just you know get rid of Danny Shelton. Um, but it would certainly it, it, it would it would it would make sense um, <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, it certainly would make better sense to me than well, you know, he's going to count two million against the cap this year, so we got to get a you know a deferred one round you know trade up for 2019. I, I especially when we're giving away fourth and third rounders. But, Okay, not giving him away. I realize that we're getting players back in return for them, but I, I'm uh, I, I'm less inclined to believe that we gave Danny Shelton up because hey, we had something lined up with Sue than I am to believe that it was just because. Well, it's just because he just wasn't one of their guys, and this is a this is a thing. This is this is an absolutely a thing, because I mentioned earlier what the the sashy doctrine, if you, if you will, if the 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 money ball, the analyt- the analytics approach. Which, you know, again, subject to my interpretation after watching the event, stockpiling the capital, being able to extend your players when the time comes, all of that. Okay, well, here's the paradigm that we as Browns fans have lived under for, uh, you know, going back now 19 years, and but really very specifically the last uh, 10 Ever since that 2000, it's actually going uh, the the year after that, 2008. Romeo Cornell's last year. Romeo Cornell was the coach for four years. He got fired after the 2008 season. Whether or not he should have been fired, don't care. Not the, the point of this conversation is to talk about the, the, the world that we have lived in since that happened. And the world that we have lived in since that happened re, uh, is, can be described best this way. We draft players with guys that are here. We, we, we hire guys to draft players and to bring in free agents. Those guys have a plan for how they're going to run the football team. This guy is going to do this. This guy is going to do this. This guy is going to do this. And then those players, via free agency or via the draft, are summarily um, acquired in the ways that they are acquired. And they are acquired and brought in for the purpose of doing those things that those guys scouted them to go do. But then those guys, in two years or less, those guys that made those decisions to bring in those players, those guys in two years or less get fired. And then new guy comes in, and new crew looks at the existing roster and says, these guys suck. If these guys didn't suck, then you wouldn't have hired me to come in here and do a better job than the guys that brought in these guys. So this guy is not really one of my guys. I don't really like the way that he can do this thing on the team that we want him to do. We want players at his position to be able to do this, but he can only do this. He's not really a fit. So we're going to probably end up giving him away for way, 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 way less than the previous regime spent on him for draft capital. But you know what? That's not really my problem. That was their problem. They're the idiots. We're the new sheriff in town. We're going to solve this problem. Well, then that guy doesn't last for two years or sometimes not even that long in the case of Ban Barty Chud. New crew comes in after that, and they're like, yeah, this uh, this whole hodgepodge of or this uh, you know the, the, the collection of players that we have we don't really like them don't really like the players that uh, were, were uh, brought in we need to bring in our guys to fit our new schemes to fit our new uh, uh, thing that we want to do on offense and so and and in the process the players that were brought in to do those things they spent those first year or two learning how to do those things then when new crew comes in they're like no we're not doing that thing anymore now we're going to do new things. And then that gets turned around two years. Now, in the process, 
Any player that has a chance to go somewhere bails the hell out if they possibly can. If they can pull a Jordan Cameron in the process and use us, you know, punk us in order to drive up their their, uh, market value to a team like the Dolphins, then so much the better from their standpoint. And honestly, I can't blame them for doing that because we give them every reason to do that with the absurd way that we run this uh, uh, operation. So those guys, by virtue of the fact that they never stay in any system long enough to actually learn how to do it, they summarily end up getting discarded as Jags, as guys that wouldn't have ended up being good anywhere. They just sucked as players, and the guys that hired them were lousy at what they did, justifying the move to fire them. And so then we fire the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy. By the time Sashi Brown and uh, Paul DePodesta and Hugh Jackson walked in the door, we had a team that was filled with misfits of this kind. In fact, our entire defensive front seven, uh, minus a couple of guys, were brought in to play. There was a time in the, in the 2015, at the end of 2015, where basically everybody that we had on the defensive line were brought in to play something different from where they were playing at that point. We went from playing a 3-4 a to a 4-3 and then back to a 3-4 inside of three years. That is ridiculous and in each one of those circumstances we made this big deal about okay we got to blow out our existing personnel and we got to get the players that we need to fit this scheme well you know as soon as new crew comes in and decides that well we're not doing that scheme anymore and this guy can't do what i want him to do so he sucks even though that player didn't suck he just wasn't a fit for your scheme anymore. Jabal Sheard comes to mind. He's a you know, good example. And there's all kinds of guys that fit into this. T.J. Ward, Mitchell Schwartz, whoever. Uh, there's all sorts of players that you can look at and say, uh, man, you know, that w- would have been nice if we would have been able to keep that guy, Travis Benjamin, whoever else. But if can you blame any of these players for not wanting to stick around? That's why Joe Thomas is such – that's what I just described right there is the reality that we have lived with the last 10 years of this franchise. That makes what Joe Thomas has done over that same period of time that much more remarkable, where the guy never complained. He just came in. He was a bulwark. He was a, a rock. And, uh, and while everybody else, while all of his friends and all of his teammates are saying, screw this, you want to deal with this, dude, you deal with it, but I ain't doing it no more. You know, and no matter – he just he just kept – coming back and he said you know and he he said it he's going to be a cleveland brown for the rest of his life and i'm so happy that i never have to even contemplate the idea that he would ever play for anyone else i'm 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 very happy about that that the only uh memory i will ever have of joe thomas is being great for the cleveland browns in fact great on an off day exceptional most of the time uh and don't need to continue to talk about Joe Thomas. It's been, you know, it's, it's I mean, I, I, again, I expected it, but it's still emotional whenever it happens. It's kind of like, I don't mean, I don't want to get too severe with this, but it's kind of like if you have a loved one that's been sick for a long time and you've made peace with it uh, and you know what's going to happen, but still it happening, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, and I don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's, it's like the old saw, you know, football is not about, is, is not about life and death. It's more important than that. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, be like that about this. Obviously, there's a delineation and more important things uh, out there. But I'm just saying that uh, a guy, you know, the, the, the idea that Joe was, uh, was good, I, ha- I had not invested a whole bunch of hope in that, to be honest with you. There was a, a moment during the, the offseason where, particularly when he was out there trolling Kirk Cousins, and, and it's like, you know, maybe it does kind of seem like maybe he's got a little fire in him, like he wants to come back and do this, but... Uh, you know, whatever. I, I have z- no hard feelings about it whatsoever. I understand uh, some 
I understand. I do not agree with the sentiment, but I understand some people's sentiment that I saw earlier today that, you know, I'm kind of sick of this. I kind of like to see him just, you know, kind of decide what he's going to do and do it. I mean, he's putting us in a tough spot. Guy doesn't owe us one damn thing. The guy doesn't owe us anything. The guy, he served his time. He's done with us. There's no more damage that we can do to him. He's done. And in him taking as much time as he needed with this, I got no problem with that. And and I have no doubt that it has anything more to do with it's not like LeBron and and his because that's that's what the the you know the comparison automatically goes to is that that you know asinine primetime event that he did where he's going to take his talents to South Beach. This was a genuine um, you know he read it and, and he said he stated in his comments it was a really tough decision that he had to take all this time. But you know what? It took him this long to make the announcement. But the fact that we were as reportedly anyway as um as as involved in the negotiations for Nate Solder as we were suggests to me that he probably let uh Dorsey and crew know that that um that he was uh, probably going to be moving on and that's probably why they went uh, went about that. But again, not to deviate off of Joe Thomas uh any more than I already have this entire broadcast going back to what it means whenever you have these guys that are only around for a couple of years one of the reasons why these uh, renegotiations often don't fall through consider that over that period of time there has not been a single draft class not one that was negotiating with when the time came for their contracts to be negotiated the ones that we felt like doing the ones that were worth being renegotiated with none of those classes were negotiating with the same people that drafted them None of them. And if you go back to 1999, there have only been two such classes that were able to negotiate with the same people that drafted them. I mean, I think we can possibly zero in on what the problem is here, right? I mean, we are not, we have never had the attitude, at least so far as the new uh, uh, era is concerned, we've never been able to sustain and, and, and by our own desire, we keep blowing up everything that we're doing. And that has been the reality that we have lived in, and that was the the you know team that was inherited by Sashi Hugh and crew. And while and and I, I say all that to say that's that's really the reason why. And this is I'm not this this is not being done for the reason of saying and that's why it was stupid to, to uh, fire Sashi Brown. I'm done with Sashi Brown too. Quite honestly, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. This the, I I'm no longer carrying a torch for the guy. Yeah, he was. I I thought he would have been. Uh, I thought he did a good job for us. I think he will do a good job for somebody in the future. But whatever. He's he's not a Brown anymore either, so you know, I'm moving on with him. I'm just saying that at that time, when you look at what we had, I just mentioned the situation at the front seven and the defensive line. That's not to mention the fact that, oh, by the way, our most promising quarterback option on the roster was Johnny frickin' Manziel. And then you add to that that, you know, we had Josh McCown, who, uh, as I mentioned today, signed a, a ten million dollar deal with uh, the uh, New York Jets, which I would have, I would have, I would have liked to have seen Drago return, but I'm uh, that. And there's a guy. See, there's a guy that's an, that's an exception to the rule. I love Drago. I, I, I love uh, Josh McCown, and he's an exception where I, I pull for him. And most of it has to do with the fact that. Um, I hated the signing, hated it, hated it, hated it. I was obnoxious about it when we signed Josh McCown to be our quarterback a couple of years back. Um, but he 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 flat out he proved me way he not only proved me way 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 wrong, because um, he was actually the best quarterback that we've had here in I don't know how long period of time, uh, which I, I know incredibly low bar. But I'm saying he he not only played well, but he was a warrior for us. That guy, 
uh, he went out there and he just left it all out in the field. You remember the fumble, fumble copter and all that? Uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Josh McCown. Would have liked to have seen him get back. But that was okay. It was him and Johnny Manziel. That was our quarterback options back when, uh, when, when all these guys took over. So you combine that with the fact that we had, you know, several guys that were coming up that were not really all that good. Like all of the free agents that we let go. I know a lot of people concentrate on Mitchell Schwartz. Some people even throw Alex Mack in there, which I, 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 okay. I need to say this because there are people out there that still carry on apparently with this crazy. I, and I, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful here. But I think it's disrespectful to the crazy for the people out there that suggest that it's somehow Sashi Brown's fault, or even Ray Farmer's fault for that matter, that we weren't able to keep Alex Mack. Alex Mack was done the moment that we fired Rob Chudzinski. It was the third coach that he had seen fired in his four years on the team at that point. And he correctly deduced that we were an unfunny joke of an organization, and he was no longer going to be a party to it. And I don't blame him. Why would anybody? Right? That's it's his, And so they sent the entire posse out there to California, and they tried. They threw the kitchen sink at him, tried to get him to re-sign. It didn't work. They put the transition tag on him, thinking that they were going to be able to uh, wrap him up that way. J- the Jacksonville Jaguars are able to provide the poison pill by putting in the out clause after two years. He signs that deal with the Jags. We match it five minutes later. We get two more years out of him, and that's the only – that was the best we could have done. The only other thing that we could have done was franchise tag him, and then people think that there's this magic bullet that if we would have franchise tagged him, that he would have re-signed. Yes, it's true that no other team would have been able to offer him a contract. It's also true that you can't franchise tag a player more than two times in their career. I believe that's, that's accurate. Um, maybe it's three times because I think because I think Cousins has only been tagged twice. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's uh, that you can only tag a player um, three times throughout the course of their career. Okay, maybe we could have gotten him if we would have tagged him three years in a row. Although you don't get tagged for starting center money, you get tagged for starting offensive line money. So we would have been paying him like a tackle if we would have go- if we would have gone there. Uh, so at that point, I mean, there's not really much more that we could have done there. And the strategy that we employed, while ultimately unsuccessful, uh, it netted about the best result that could have happened based on the realities that existed at the time. Now, again, not not to rehash the Alex Mack stuff, even though I've already done that, uh, getting off track like I do, and I'm sorry I do that, but it's it's just the way that it be. I do eventually get back on the track that I was on originally, though, uh, because this is all just an ebb and flow of a conversation as we talk about our beloved Roarange helmets and how we are have gotten to the point that we are right now. And... You know that same free agency class, if you will, the guys that were available that we let go. Tayshawn Gibson, anybody sad that we let him go? Um, Travis Benjamin, yeah, I would have liked to have kept Benji, certainly. But, you know, that was another guy. We drafted him, and for the four years that he was here, it was a constant. It was, again, it was, it was three coaches in four years, and we were it was about to be another one. And I don't blame him for saying, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather go someplace where, A, they got a quarterback, and, B, they're not playing musical chairs with a coach every other year. Literally every other year. That's not hyperbole. That's not that, that is not hyperbole. That is being for real. That every other year we make this change. Uh, who else? Jordan Poyer. He was one of those guys. Um, there's somebody else that I'm missing here. That was part of that. I know we let Carlos Dansby go. There was a couple of other guys. But that was. But okay. So then the plan is we're going to we're not going to retain these guys that were misfits for what we what you know what was being built here and discarded and then built and discarded and built and discarded over 
you know, that entire process. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to rip the thing totally down to the studs, and we are going to... And, I mean, look, maybe the word tank was or wasn't thrown around. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate as to whether or not they went into this with the mindset that they were going to be as bad as they've been the last two years. In fact, I think it's more like this. And again, I'm not. this is not a defense of Sashi Brown because, honestly, Sashi's not the only player in all of this. He's the only one that's gone, though. Everybody else is still there, and we've added more people to it. Ethan Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith in the, uh, in the offseason to the free agency – I'm sorry, to the front office role. So um, the, the new crew that's in place right now, um, it's not like they you – know, Dee Podesta's still there. Jimmy Haslam's still there. Hugh's still there. And I can't believe that those guys weren't involved in a lot of these personnel decisions as it was all happening. They certainly all had to sign off on this plan as it transpired because it was really, really obvious what we were doing from the outset. We were going to cut the... And I think that, again, it had to do with a series of contingencies. And the contingencies were were all based on the the quarterback position panning out. But the... The way that all of this works, and, you know, again, it goes back to the theory of stockpiling assets for the future and not assuming that you know more than the rest of the league does. Yes, in retrospect, I absolutely, and I said it at the time, I, I, I would have preferred to draft Carson Wentz with that number two overall. In looking at the stockpile of draft picks that we've been able to amass, and, you know, if we trade that fourth uh, pick that we have in the draft this year, and are able to move picks into next year's draft. We will continue to be adding picks from that first initial draft swap with the Eagles and the number two overall that ultimately ended up being Carson Wentz. Um, but we could have we could have drafted Wentz that year, and then it would have been a a a totally different type of rebuild. Um, but we didn't do that. We what we did instead, and and had we drafted Wentz, then there would have been no doubt that Wentz would have been the guy. This is what, this is my, and this has never been fully articulated by anybody in an official role. This is just what my interpretation of the events are as they uh, all went down and why I think we did the things that we do and, and the things that we did. And that is that once you draft a quarterback with the second overall pick, that's your guy. You're not going to get another chance at another guy. That's your guy. And the same is true if you take any quarterback in the first round. That's your guy. GMs don't get a second chance at a quarterback. Ozzie Newsom is the lone exception to that. You get a you get one shot, and if you get it wrong, another guy comes in and he brings in his guy. That's how it is. That's how it always has been. And so, the look, the 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 posture of as it appears to me of the franchise is okay. We don't necessarily, especially after watching the, the mistake that was Manziel where they did go and get the guy in the first year and were, were saddled to him. And when it all came crashing down, there was really no choice but to fire everybody involved. You had to uh, at that point because you couldn't reconcile the entire thing. Well, I think at that point, the, you look at uh, – they, they and if they weren't sold on Wentz, then they say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We are going to take some other low-budget shots because we could, we, we could um, possibly – uh, sign a guy like Robert Griffin, and maybe it'll work out. Maybe the guy will end up realizing that immense draft ca- talent that he had uh, in that, that that rookie year that he had, and maybe he'll uh, turn into the prospect that it looked like he could become. Okay, that didn't work out. 
And actually, Griffin played better last year uh, at quarterback uh, in, in his first start and in the final uh, you know, five games of the season or whatever it was than we saw for a lot of this year. Okay, it didn't work out. Well, if Griffin goes down, then uh, Drago can come in. And he can give us some – he can throw a couple of innings and, uh, and, and play pretty well. And as it happens, he did uh, come in and look really good for like the first quarter of that second game. And then he got hurt. And by the way, Corey Coleman looked like an all pro in that in that uh, game against the Ravens the second week of the season in, in 2016. But whatever the um, at that point now we're bringing in Cody Kessler. Now, Kessler is another guy, third round pick and a guy that. All right. Um, he is accurate, had a good college career, started a bunch of games, probably, you know, had a high wonder lick and da da da. You know, he was a guy that analytics or whatever said he he could be a guy. And there were times during his rookie season where it's like, you know, you can, maybe you can do that. But then for a lot of the uh, – a lot of it, it was like, okay, he's going to have to correct this, 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 and this. And certainly going into last season with the time that he was on the field, it didn't look like he was able to correct any of those things. In fact, it looked like they all got a lot worse. Whatever, um, it wasn't meant to be is the point. They, they, you know, the combination of those three, you know, Griffin getting hurt in the first game, Drago getting hurt in the second game, and then here we are with a rookie in the third game of the year. You know, the third game of the year, we're starting a rookie from that point forward. Okay, the season's done. So now we come into this season, this last season, 2017. And, okay, you're, you're done with Griffin, but the, 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 the same thing still holds. You're not sold on Trubisky or Mahomes or Watson or, uh, well, certainly not with the first pick, uh, any of the quarterbacks. So, you know, you, you let the draft kind of come to you. You pick three guys in the first round. Two of them look like slam dunk so far. The other one looks like a slam dunk in the other direction, but whatever. Then you take another, uh, uh, another high caliber but ultimately not, you know, franchise-defining shot at a quarterback in Deshaun Kaiser. In the process, you also take uh, a real uh, blind shot in the dark with uh, Brock Osweiler, and in the process, you know, uh, snag a second-rounder, which is going to end up being the 35th overall this this year. That, that trade is just going to go down forever is, is my favorite of all time. So we're sitting there now um, without uh, – for the second year in a row, not having spent the top pick that we have on the quarterback, but we did spend a high-caliber uh, shot on a quarterback, and that's the one that we decided to go with, with uh, Deshaun Kaiser. We decided not to go with Osweiler. He ended up getting cut. We didn't get anything out of him, other than uh, we we weren't able to roll over his contract, and so uh, the uh, the Denver, the Broncos ended up signing him for like the league minimum or something. And uh, But whatever, we got the second-round pick out of the deal, and it's all good. And I think we also uh, swapped a, a fourth and a sixth or, or something like that along along with uh, with that deal. But th- what the point is is that if it wouldn't have worked out with uh, Griffin, and then it doesn't work out with Drago, and then it doesn't work out with Kessler, and then it doesn't work out with um, Kaiser. The thing is is that it could have worked out with with any of those guys. It could have been better than what it was with any of those guys. And look, I understand that. In retrospect, it's very easy to say, there's no way anybody, any idiot could have seen it. He couldn't work out with any of those guys. All right, fine. But you still you still don't know that until they're out on the field. And they go out and they prove it. And what I'm saying is that at the end of all of that, what you're doing is you're putting your team in a, in a situation where one of those guys is going to catch fire. And if that happens, hey, you've solved your quarterback problem. 
if it doesn't happen that way, then probably what's going to happen is you're going to lose a whole bunch of games. And if you lose a whole bunch of games and you keep stockpiling these picks and you keep amassing all this cap space, then you're probably going to end up about where we are right now. With the number one pick in the, now I don't know how you can necessarily game plan this, but in, you know, as I say, the most quarterback rich draft in what almost 40 years i i you know i'm and that's that's maybe 35 years that's that's not an exaggeration i mean this is you don't usually see this type of talent available at the quarterback spot either in free agency quite frankly or in the draft uh, but especially in the draft so you know we're in a spot where we've got you know there's there's four potentially franchise quality uh, quarterbacks out there and we have the first and the fourth pick you know we got two picks in the top four so it's like okay it's not that we necessarily planned to tank and this is all look this is all just my crackpot theory it may be all wet I'm just telling you what I think out there and we go into this with the mindset that either one of these guys is going to catch fire or what's going to happen is that they are um, going to flame out so spectacularly that we're going to be sitting here in the spot that we are right now. So it's not so much that it was a plan to fail as much as it was a series of contingencies. And plan 1A was Griffin's going to work out and we are going to have our quarterback uh, with him for the foreseeable future. And somewhere like Z26 is where we are right now where it is all crashed and burned and we've already fired the guy and now we've had to bring in Meathead to actually come in and be the trigger man on who the quarterback selection is going to be. And I shouldn't continue to be disparaging for uh, for, for poor John Dorsey. But, uh, you know, I'm just... I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to kind of balance all of this you know perspective over the course of all of these years because ultimately what I really don't want to see happen is what we do have here, whatever it is that we have assembled and cobbled together over these last couple of years, post the Ray Farmer, Mike Pettin, uh, and really the Banbardi, uh, Heckert, Holmgren era, because all, all of those players were lumped into all of that before the, 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 the giant cleansing of the 2016 offseason, which continued last year, is that it'd be really foolish for us to just you know, completely fritter away the, the gains that we have made these last couple of years. As much as I've been a, a critic of Hugh Jackson, I think that it is uh, somewhat beneficial and advantageous for us that he remains the coach of the Browns. Because him remaining the coach of the Browns is the, um, the first time that we've had a coach have their third year with the team since Romeo Cornell's 2007. And what was 2007? The last time we had a winning record, Joe Thomas's rookie season. And then, okay, but then the wheels fell off the following year. We fired Romeo, and we haven't had a guy reach his third year. One can argue that we picked the worst one to, pick, to make his third year. But that's not really um, – it, it doesn't really matter at this point. To me, the best course of action – or I should say the course of action that is going to lead to the most – drastic and immediate turnaround of the franchise is if Hugh Jackson and John Dorsey ultimately become successful with what it is that they are trying to do. Because if we have to fire either one or both of them, then we're going to continue going through this process where we bring in guys, we wash out other guys, it's this giant roster churn, these guys aren't my guys, and I don't really like those guys, and I don't like Danny Shelton, and not, to, not to pick on uh, uh, Dorsey here with the Shelton example, but it is an example. Or if you are... Um, 
uh, Ray Farmer, and you don't you're not necessarily enthralled with Jamal or with uh, Jabbar Sheard, uh, Jabal Sheard, because he's not he doesn't fit your scheme. You know what I mean? It's like we we go through this, and we go through this process because there's a disconnect from the player's ultimate role on the team when they get to the point of being developed from the point at which they were brought on the team. And you have exceptions to this, Joe Thomas being the, the bright, shining one, where it doesn't matter what scheme it is, the guy's going to excel. And to for a time, that could be said about Joe Hayden. Uh, and then, you know, age, injury, you know, a lot of factors, uh, you know, led to him uh, falling off, off the cliff fairly uh, substantially over the last couple of years, which happens with guys that play those types of positions. At this point, he may turn out to have the sort of uh, end of his career like uh, like Darrell Rivas had and like guys like Brent Grimes and Prince Amukamura are having right now where they're just basically, you know, kind of a, a rent-a-cornerback and every year they're going out there and getting the best deal that they can for some team that needs help at cornerback and they still got some gas in the tank and can shut down wide receivers. And you know what? If you can shut down wide receivers in the NFL, you can get a, uh, a, a, um, a gig playing for somebody because – People need people that can shut down cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, one thing that's coming in here, apparently the Vikings are finalizing a deal for the uh, Broncos' Trevor Simeon. Now, this is interesting because they have also they've already added these, – these two teams have already kind of traded – well, not traded quarterbacks necessarily, but uh, Minnesota signed Kirk Cousins, and the guy that quarterbacked them to the NFC Championship game last year, uh, Case Keenum, has uh, gone on and signed with the Broncos. So the guy that was the trigger man for the Broncos last year, Trevor Simeon, is now uh, presumably being uh, acquired by Minnesota so as to back up uh, Kirk Cousins. And that's not, you know, it's not a terrible move um, on, on the part of uh, either teams, quite honestly. Um, just kind of going through some of the other movements as we talked about. The uh, the the really kind of the the only significant uh, news of, of of real note that I've uh, been able to pick up on as we've been on since uh, three o'clock. Of course, the big news was the uh, retirement of jo- of Joe Thomas, which happened about I think two o'clock today, uh, Eastern time. But uh, the big news that's happened since was the Dolphins released in Dominican Sioux. And then later on, the Arizona Cardinals released the Honey Badger, Tyrone Matthew. And so those two guys now being on the open market, I'd, um, I, I, am, I am extraordinarily interested in acquiring both of them. Uh, either one of them, whatever, uh, I'm, I'm good with it. I would like to see that happen. And I think that either one of them would, would instantaneously uh, and significantly improve the fortunes of our defensive unit. Uh, what they would cost, you know, again, if, if we're going to go full into this and we're not really worried about the, um, you know, the, 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 the retaining as much of our cap as possible aspect of the team building, you know, part of what we're doing, then you know, go for it because these guys are legitimate playmakers that will make the team better. And, I, look, I, I would rather go the slow and steady approach, but I'm basically in it for whatever. And, honestly, if we don't get the quarterback thing right, it doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters, quite honestly. And if we do get the quarterback thing right, well, then I'm not saying that it doesn't matter, but I am saying that it matters a whole lot less. In other words, we could totally screw everything up here. If we get the quarterback part of it right, then uh, then, we're, then we're going to do just fine. Uh, and it's, it's, it's going to be able to overcome whatever other things that happen. Jeremy Macklin, released by the Baltimore Ravens. There's a wide receiver that um, 
Now, he's interesting because, of course, John Dorsey signed him in Kansas City uh, with our pickup of Landry, and we already have Josh Gordon on the roster. You know, anybody interested in uh, in uh, Jeremy Macklin? I'm not so sure that I would be. The guy's been around for a while. Uh, plus, that's a lot of money that would be wrapped up into the wide receiver spot. And I'm just, um, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it on on Macklin. But it's something that's happening uh, out there. It's a, it's a bit of news. And uh, I gotta say that um, that Sasanak was right. That really, the uh, the the heavy activity that occurred throughout the course of uh, you know the the free agency period was really not today, not on uh, the, the four o'clock slot, but it was the the, the activity that happened over the last couple of days. As far as the Browns are concerned, you know, quite a few things have occurred. We'll uh, recap the Friday trades. Tyrod Taylor acquired from Buffalo. We picked up Jarvis Landry from the Miami Dolphins. We picked up Demarius Randall from the Green Bay Packers. Saturday, we cut Danny Shelton in the process of trading for uh, Randall from the Packers. We traded away Deshaun Kaiser. And then yesterday, the uh, rumors uh, were have, have since been... Um, substantiated as we added Chris Hubbard the tackle from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers is now uh, coming over probably probably to uh, I'm gonna guess probably to play left tackle for us even though he played right tackle in Pittsburgh uh, to replace the retiring Joe Thomas which the news that was uh, reported today that you know he, he reported today announced today we signed TJ Carey the running the I'm sorry the cornerback from Oakland and we signed Darren Fells, the tight end from uh, Detroit. Very early today, we signed Carlos Hyde. Well, came to terms with Carlos Hyde. We signed all these guys after uh, the 4, 4 p.m. deadline. And uh, also later to, uh, uh, later on today, we signed Terrence Mitchell, the cornerback from Kansas City. Uh, so, you know, a, presumably a you know, guy Dorsey brought in over there. Yesterday, we also brought in Chris Smith, the defensive end from uh, Cincinnati uh, be a situational pass rusher which you know good I'm fine with that I'm fine with I'm, I'm fine with all of it so far I'm not really I'm not really down on anybody I'm not really looking at all of this and 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 I'm not looking at this giddily like man look at all these you know this this uh, this collection this hall of players you know a lot of it's fairly underwhelming but whatever I mean it's what it's it's pretty much what I expected was going to happen number one. And number two, it's not that bad, quite honestly. It's, you know, compared to what I was expecting. What I was expecting was spending $80 million on A.J. McCarron and, and and several other picks like that, you know, several other free agency moves like that, along with um, drafting somebody like Josh Allen. like that. And, and so my absolute, uh, you know, nightmare scenario was that. That we would, um, that that we would basically end up not getting the best quarterback in the draft, getting getting you know one of the worst quarterbacks available via free agency, and spending all of our capital in the process of doing that, both in terms of draft picks and money. Some of the uh, the remaining guys that are left on the open market right now, mentioned in Namakinsu, Sheldon Richardson, uh, defensive tackle, would be a defensive tackle for us. Uh, mentioned Tyron Matthew, Jordy Nelson, the wide receiver let go yesterday by Green Bay, still available. Don Terry Poe, uh, another interior defensive lineman. Ryan Jensen, Justin Pugh, uh, Kenny Vaccaro. There's a guy that 
uh, coming out of college a couple years back, had you know very, really high regarded prospect. Didn't just didn't work out for him in New Orleans. Have Tyler Eifert, the tight end. I just don't can't imagine us adding another tight end. And of course, AJ McCarron. Uh, that's on the list of guys that are still available. Of course, that's not the only guys that are still available. That's just a, a list of guys that uh, that are still available as of now. And to be honest with you, um, you know we, we, we've we, we've really gone over um, everything that the Browns have done and and could possibly do. I'm sure that there's going to be more things that are going to happen. But at this stage of the game here, it's almost six o'clock here on the East Coast. I'm not thinking that we're going to be getting any more um, like major deals happening. I think that we've seen uh, what we're going to see. Uh, I think that the the major hits that you know that we got, the major impact players that we were going to get, uh, we got on Friday. I think that was really our big day. And then we've added a couple of pieces since then. I like Hyde. I like Hubbard. Um, and that's about what I think that, that we, we've, we're probably going to add a couple of guys, you know, to add to the dude avalanche. Uh, but it's not really going to um, – I, I don't really see a whole lot of activity happening for the rest of the day, which means as soon as I hang up here, uh, you know, nine million things are going to happen. But I want to thank you for uh, being a part of this, listening to this up to this point. Uh, certainly – you didn't have to do that, and um, if you missed any part of anything, uh, please go to the website. Uh, well, not the uh, – you can go to dogsbynature.com, certainly, and you can access the files there. But the SoundCloud page where these are all located, it's the DBN Network. My name is Easy Weave. Typically, I do the program Easy Does It. Today, it has been covering the most important uh, free agency of our lifetime, 2018, where, once again, to recap the – uh, players that we have brought in since uh, free agency. And again, you know, free agency officially began yesterday, but the, uh, you know, the, the, the rumors and the, you know, all of the, the machinations and so forth have, um, have been, uh, been made known. And this is kind of the new normal now that, that really you kind of know what's going to happen over the course of the weekend, as opposed to waiting for the day when it's all going to break out yesterday. We added, we, uh, came to terms with Donald Stevenson. He's the, I think I was calling him Chris Stevenson earlier, Donald Stevenson, who, uh, you know, is not terribly highly regarded, but, uh, he's an offensive tackle and he's going to compete with, uh, Rod Johnson and, um, you know, and, uh, Zach Banner and we'll see. Chris Hubbard is likely to start. He was uh, signed for a fairly large contract, $37.5 million, uh, over five years, and probably will be replacing Joe Thomas. Um, not bad. I mean, if, if, if certainly uh, yeah, he's not going to be Joe Thomas, but then nobody ever is going to be. Chris Smith, as I mentioned, the uh, pass-rushing defensive end from Cincinnati, so some uh, pass-rushing depth, which you can never have too much of that. And then today we added... Uh, Carlos Hyde, the running back from San Francisco. We added um, Darren Fells, the tight end from uh, the Lions. We have added um, DJ Carey, the cornerback from uh, Oakland. And we also uh, saw our our really our only free agent, Isaiah Crowell, go to um, the New York Jets. And then the uh, only other move that um, that I have left out here is the acquisition of the cornerback from Kansas City, Terrence Mitchell. 
And so that's what your Browns have done. Kirk Cousins goes to the Vikings, the Vikings quarterbacks, Bradford to the Cardinals, Bridgewater to the Jets, Keenum to the Broncos, who are now going to trade Simeon back to the Vikings so they have a backup because they don't have any backups because they gave all their quarterbacks away. And I think that that's going to do it for me. I'm Easy Weave here on the DBN Network. If you'd like to formally complain, I'm going to put up an article with uh, all of these that you can um, give me your feedback on. Or you can send me an email voicing your displeasure in person, or I should say uh, uh, electronically in person, easyweave at gmail.com. If you're interested in doing your own thing here on the network, if you'd like to do your own cast, then uh, certainly we are always looking for new talent. And I'd be happy to hook you up and uh, get you set up with your own platform here to uh, talk about, although I'm not going to ever expect you to get on and talk about anything for three solid hours, as I have just done right here. But it's been a pleasure, as it always is, and uh, we're going to get together again on the most important draft of our lifetimes, 2018, starting on Thursday of that day. And uh, if something happens uh, tonight with uh, Sue or Honey Badger or something, you know, major like that breaks out, then uh, maybe we'll jump on here again. But um, for now, I'm going to sign off. My name is Easy Weave. This is easy. (laughs) This is actually the coverage of the most important free agency period of our lifetimes. 2018 free agency day. It's been a pleasure being with you. I look forward to speaking with you again. So long. Take care out there. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it.
You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.